welcome. We have been expecting you. <laughs> the Chaotic Sports Podcast is underway. Take cover. You've been warned. Let's get chaotic, y'all. Hello and good evening. Welcome to tonight's installment of the Chaotic Sports Podcast. My name is Patrick Brown, your host and content creator. And tonight's episode is simply titled Organized Chaos for Starters. We're going to dive into Russell Wilson's homecoming to Seattle, which ended in heartbreaking. Why feel that the the Broncos should have went for it? And that's been the talk of the week as far as, you know, the red zone issues and why wasn't the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. Then we're going to that wow, wow second half rally by the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the division rival L.A. Chargers. I'm going to explain why the the Chargers did some good things and not so good things while the Chiefs, it's we, we know what they're about. Then we're going to transition down to Dallas. The blame game as to who was right and who was wrong and everybody pointing fingers. I'm I'm going to unleash on that as well. And then we're going to go into a basketball topic, uh, the WNBA Finals Game 4 prediction between the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun. And finally... The big announcements everybody's been waiting on. I will dis- uh, discuss that later in the show near the end. But first, Russell Wilson made his debut as the Denver Broncos starting quarterback. Out of all the weeks you could have picked to go back home as opening week to play your former team, the Seattle Seahawks. Now before we get to the football side of it, I'd like to call out the Seattle Seahawks fans by saying that was probably one of the more classless receptions I've seen in professional sports. I mean, you guys booed this guy, booed him for leaving. Just stop and think about it for a second. You were relevant for a decade with Russell Wilson as your quarterback. You may have had the Legion of Boom defense, which was the face of the team and, you know, the 12th man in the stand and all that, but Russell Wilson gave everything he had to that franchise. He did a lot of community work, a lot of charitable work, you know, going to the Seattle Children's Hospital on, I think it was a Tuesday with his his wife, Sierra, and visiting all the kids and spending time with them. And he did a lot of good things. And that was just a, a bad way for you to, you know, tell Russ, thank you. That's you can't do that, ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks fans, you've got to be better. You had a franchise quarterback that gave everything he had and kept that team afloat in a very, very tough NFC West and as an NFC conference as a whole. Now, to the football side of it. The question that everybody has asked and has kind of figured out is the Denver Broncos should have went forward on on the fourth down, the last drive of, of regulation instead to kick the field goal. Now, if I'm paying my quarterback well over $250 million, the ball should be in his hands. At least give him an opportunity to go out and, you know, win that game for the Broncos and in front of the to his former uh, home team. The biggest glare of the night was the red zone. And if the red zone efficiency, they were 0 for 4. Now, that can be... Just, you know, the repetition of not having with the receivers and whatnot and not being able to really build that repertoire. But one thing we know about Russell Wilson is he's been in these situations time and time again when he was in Seattle working with a a bad offensive line, no run game, a defense that was dead in the water. And this guy still managed to uh, guide this team and the franchise to, you know, double digit wins in spite of all their shortcomings. I don't blame him for wanting out and, you know, wanting to be put in a better position because once you start getting hurt, it it's hard your body doesn't recover as fast as it used to if you're in your twenties and 
Not that Russ is an older quarterback. He's 31, 32. So he's in the, the peak of his prime. You know, he wants to win. And he's in an ideal situation in Denver where they're going to build a team around him and compete for Super Bowls from here on out. Now, the question is, Nathaniel Hackett had some clock management issues. That was, you can't call a play in with, you know, 12 seconds left on the play clock and expect to get get the uh, the playoff before the clock expires. And if you got an audible out of it, you don't have enough time. So that's on Nathaniel Hackett for poor clock management. And it, it's live and learn and it's trial and error. And then you, and you just, you just got to know when and where to, you know, okay, we need to pick up the pace here. You need to know what the defense is giving you. And if you don't like what you see, call a timeout. And that's that's just one of the responsibilities of playing quarterback in NFL. You've got to know situational football. And the head coach and quarterback have to be on the same page along with the offensive coordinator as to what's going on on the field. The coordinators in the press box are the eyes up top bird's eye so they can see what's going on the head coach can see on the sideline if, if something's not right and the quarterback knows when something's not right so it's it was a big gaffe but in the end I mean Seattle that was that was their playoff game for them because they're probably not going to win a whole lot of games this year and I mean Geno Smith looked sensational in the first half and I mean the it was, I was like, man, I, I can't believe, you know, Seattle's actually hanging around and Denver has to put this game away. But if you take away the 0 for 4 in the red zone and you at least cash in on a couple of those drives, there you're probably looking at maybe a, a 24 to 17, 24, 21 ball game at, at minimum because it was, it was a battle of defenses for the most part. And there were some questionable plays by the Denver Deeks like, man, y'all, how do you let Seattle's tight end get that wide open for a touchdown? That that was probably the back uh, the bend but don't break play right there. Case in point, maybe it's just the prisoner of the moment of overreaction week one, and everybody's still trying to figure out their their rotations and whatnot. Which you know the great uh, Bill Belichick says the first quarter of the season is you're trying to figure out. Your, your rotations and what's going to work and what's not far as your play calling. Once you get to October, November, that's when the season technically starts because the first quarter of the NFL season is just a semi-carryover from the preseason per se. That's how I've always looked at it. You're trying to fill each other out. But if you've been in, a, in, a, in the same system for X amount of years, nothing really changes, maybe the language per se. But I think the Broncos will rebound tomorrow on their home debut against the Texans which they should win there's no doubt in my mind that they will and Seattle will probably be in a a, a grinded out game with I think they played the, the 49ers if I'm not mistaken in Santa Clara which is an 85% chance of rain for tomorrow but now that you know Russ has got that game out of the way he can move on to you know the rest of the season one thing I did notice is that whenever former players are go to a new team in a new location, they normally don't go back to like the following year, depending on how the schedule falls. And right out the gate, Russ had to go to Seattle. When the schedule came out, I was like, man, that's that's going to be a lot of emotional jitters right there because that those fans they they showed up and showed out. But I didn't like the fact that they called him a traitor. There were some fans walking around with jerseys on it over the Wilson or over the nameplate and it said traitor it's not like he went to the 49ers or the Rams or the Cardinals and an in-division an in-division rival he went to the AFC West with the Denver Broncos the Denver Broncos are better run franchise than the Seattle Seahawks is if anything Seahawks nation you can blame your front office for how the team was pretty much a patchwork from 2018 through 2021 Russ's last season in which he was limited to a handful of games after you know the, the thumb injury that occurred but the trade for Jadavion Clowney where's he at now I think he's in Cleveland he trade for Dwayne Brown I don't even know where he's at to be honest with you and the trade for Jamal Adams just looks worse 
and worse because you gave up draft equity for a player that hasn't really lived up to you know being that premier safety that he was starting to become with the Jets but teams make they they make gambles you know they trade for players who think they're gonna you know help their franchise now as understandable but when it's time to pay him you really have to you have to be smart with your with the cap I I, I don't even want to talk about salary cap because that's the, the it really doesn't make sense because there's teams around the league that like the Rams and the Buffalo Bills, the Buccaneers, you know, the Arizona Cardinals. You know, these teams spend money. They 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 spend money. There's no such thing as a salary cap when you're trying to use all the resources you can to build a, a competitive team and not hold on to that money for dear life like you're going to take it to the grave with you. I'm like my lovely, hated, beloved, however you want to put it, owner in Dallas, Gerald Wayne Jones Jr., but we'll talk about the Cowboys here momentarily. Moving on to that wild, wild finish in Kansas City on Thursday night, uh, which was the debut of Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, and Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels were on the call, and uh, from my, from what I've seen on social media, I think the closed captioning was the only thing that was kind of a, a downfall because you couldn't turn it off. But that's not neither here or there. But to the football game itself, the Chargers jumped out 17-7. And then that's when the wheels came off with the Chargers. Justin Herbert took a, a big hit into the ribs and has some cartilage uh, had a cartilage injury and he gutted it out because there's not a whole lot of players that would have played through that pain and he was hurting and he was just out there just just wincing it and the turning point of the game was when he threw the interception and his return for uh, 90 uh, I believe it was 100 yards and which pretty much broke the game open and then the Chiefs never relinquished the lead now you can point out that they, you take away the the two drop interceptions and and the interception in the end zone, which is still questionable because I mean you could say fatigue, but Justin Herbert was fatigued and he was out there gutting it out, and and Everett had just made a catch the previous play before the interception was you know that was taken to the house. I mean those guys were out there. I mean everybody was tired because you play the Kansas City Chiefs. What's one thing they do? They run up and down the field. Mahomes and Andy Reid are a match made in football heaven. The defense is kind of spotty for the Chiefs and the run game is kind of spotty, but as long as you got Magic Mahomes Johnson as your quarterback and Andy Reid, who's one of the best offensive minds in football, the Chiefs are going to be in games. Being down double-digit leads is nothing new to them. They know how to rally and come back. I can't think of a game where they were down double digits and lost, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know how many games they may have lost, but a good chunk of that percentage, they, they win their football games. But man, the, the highlight of the night for me, Darwin James picking up Travis Kelsey. I kept saying to myself, I kept watching, I was like, that's something you don't see every day. A safety picking up one of the the premier tight ends in NFL and Travis Kelsey and body slamming him. I was like, good Lord, have mercy. What am I watching here? I had to watch it several times in slow motion just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. But man, that was the highlight of, of the of the night for me was that. Asante Samuel Jr. dropping, you know, what would have been, you know, game-changing plays if they would have kept them in the game and probably would have cashed in on some points. But it happens, y'all. Uh, Brandon Staley, he last year he was the one of the head coaches that went for it on on fourth and three, fourth and five, uh, fourth down yarders, fourth, short fourth down situational plays where they was cashing in on him. I he wasn't aggressive with his play calling on Thursday night, and that's one of the reasons why I would say the Chargers are going to miss the playoffs because of. Poor clock management by their head coach. He doesn't know when to be aggressive, and it—I mean, as we seen last year with the the regular season finale with them and the Raiders, if if they hadn't called the timeout, I mean, the Chargers and Raiders both were in the playoffs, but the Chargers did 
the unthinkable, called a timeout, and the Raiders were able to convert that fourth down and ultimately kick a field goal to win the game, which is probably one of the best games in the regular season, in my humble opinion, because that was a that game seemed like it never wanted to end. Justin Herbert was converting, you know, fourth downs left and right, and it's like, man, this this kid is immaculately talented. Got one of the prettiest deep balls I've ever seen, and one thing that they did get right in the offseason is acquiring Khalil Mack. I tell you what, that that defense is really good, and then it had a lot of gaffes in, against the Chiefs. But their front with Khalil Mack on one end and Joey Bosa on the other, and then with the back end with uh, Darwin James and Asante Samuel and, and J.C. Jackson, I mean, they've got the defense. It's just the head coach is like the biggest question mark right now for this team and we're, we're going to see what happens with them as we move into uh, deeper into the season but I, I had to give Justin Herbert his flyers because I mean this this kid was just in pain at post game shaking hands I mean he was just I mean he was just holding on like can I get these pads off and you know get some treatment because there's no there was the last I heard was he may not be able to practice until probably next week. You know, they've got a few days off before they have to be back at the facility on uh, on Wednesday, I believe, since they played on a Thursday night. So best best wishes to, you know, Justin Herbert as, you know, he hopefully doesn't miss a significant amount of time. But I, I, I believe that the Chargers can ride the ship with this defense. But Brandon Staley's got to be better with his play calling and, you know, just being more of aggressive coach and, not making you know mistakes crucial mistakes when it matters most moving on moving on the blame game the chaotic scene as always in north texas home of my beloved dallas cowboys last sunday night was an embarrassment i ain't gonna lie if you listen to the show from sunday night my week one reaction I'm like the rest of Cowboys Nation it was we got hyped up for one game and it just it just it didn't something something that shouldn't have went wrong went wrong but this is the Dallas Cowboys ladies and gentlemen as we prepare for tomorrow afternoon's game against the Cincinnati Bengals at 325 central time on CBS which is a primetime game there's been a lot of pointing the fingers this week I have one word for everybody in that organization from the front office down to the coaching staff. Accountability. Own up to it. Own up to it. Seriously. Own up to being held accountable. I love how this front office preaches, mainly from Jerry Jones and Steven, everybody needs to own up to it except for them it, the accountability doesn't apply to the front office those are not the ones that's out there coaching or you know playing on the field but you're the ones who orchestrate this team you put this roster together every year you draft well i get that but when your offensive coordinator abandons the run and starts going with an aerial attack with this cutesy little trick plays the Buccaneers defense knew we wasn't going to run the football. So they figured it out. It's like, well, you 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 take away the run game. I mean, they're, you can beat them. You dare Dak to beat you, and we lost. Plain and simple. Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy, you're pointing the fingers at one another. CeeDee Lambs just got thrown under the bus. Uh, I'm glad Ezekiel Elliott stood up and said he wants to be featured more in this offense and running the football committing to it. I'm proud of him for that because a lot of Cowboys fans has said Zeke's been washed last, you know, three or so years. When Zeke put in the work the last two years to get his body right and hopefully try to carry this team, everybody gets mad when he only gets three or so yards to carry. He takes off and he just hits a brick wall. I want to remind y'all, ladies and gentlemen, what Zeke does for this team is underappreciated. Did you not see what the Buccaneers front did to Tony Pollard in the pass game, in pass protection? 
They blew him to pieces. Ezekiel Elliott is an extra lineman and an extra bodyguard for Dak that allowed to pick up those blitzes and give Dak a couple more seconds to try to get the ball out before he gets sacked or makes a careless play. Are you sure you you want Zeke gone after this season? He would have gave us 100 yards. He was averaging 5 yards a carry. 10 carries for 50 yards. 52 yards if I'm not mistaken. He could have easily rushed for 100 yards easily. He was averaging 5 yards. You mean to tell me you're going to abandon the run? Come on, Kellen Moore. Miss me with that. You got a workhorse in Zeke Elliott. Use him. Use him. Feed him. He is running back as a rhythm position. The more touches he gets, the stronger he will be at the end of the game. Because defenses are going to get tired of tackling him and trying to bring him down. And his appetite for success in the fourth quarter when you got to close the game out when you want to eat some clock. Feed Zeke. I cannot stress that enough. Shout out to West Coast Cowboy. If you've seen him on social media, he preaches every year, every week, run the damn ball. Run it. Run it, Dallas. Run it. Run it down the throats of the opponents. Make them try to take Zeke out. And the stronger he gets at the end, the better off we'll be because you don't put your quarterback in harm's way. Speaking of the quarterback, I've been hearing everybody talk up Cooper Rush like he's the second coming to Tony Romo starting uh, Sunday afternoon. Really? He started one game last year, which was he played a fairly good game in his first start. It was a low-scoring uh, low scoring affair in Minnesota last Sunday night when uh last year in Minnesota when he made that you know his first career start but that was a defensive game that really was and Zeke had a fairly good game you know Mari Cooper and and CD had their got their catches and Cedric Wilson but ladies and gentlemen I'm here to tell you if Cooper Bush stinks it up in the first three or four series you're gonna be ready for Will Greer to step in I, I I stand on it. You're, you're going to be ready for Will Greer to be eventually go in for Cooper Rush. And if I'm Mike McCarthy, and if he starts stinking, I'm making the change before the game gets out of hand. And I hand the ball off to Zeke, and I keep feeding him. I cannot stress that enough. And I will more than likely break that down tomorrow on my Twitter feed. Feed Zeke. Let him eat. He's going to have to carry us for a few weeks, carry a shoulder some of the load until Dak comes back and possibly three weeks whenever we play the Eagles on Sunday Night Football on week six. And we'll make that four weeks. Nevertheless, Mike McCarthy, his job is on the line tomorrow. My, I might as well just go ahead and say it. His job is on the line tomorrow, win or lose, because the fans have seen enough and Jerry Jones mentioned on his radio show that he will be open to taking calls from disgruntled Cowboys fans. Are you sure about that, Jerry? Because you'll get more than what you bargained for because what we've been seeing the last 27 years is something that you created and you haven't been able to get out of your own way for this team to be successful. Would I be surprised if fans left, if, the, if we're playing like trash? No, I wouldn't. I would not be surprised at all. And... Right then and there, Jerry Jones should say, you know what? We got to make some changes. Whether that's fire Mike McCarthy or Kellen Moore, which, whichever it has to be. I don't know if he'll do it, but I've seen this story many, many times. I've seen it and I've read it back in 2010 when Wade Phillips was fired in the middle of the season after starting 1-7. And, and Jason Garrett took over and we finished 5-3. and three. So, only resort is... Come out with a sense of urgency tomorrow night, and we'll see what happens. I have, I have more. I have faith in Alpha Five more than Kellen, and I tweeted that on my my Twitter. Alpha Five will be a better offensive coordinator than Kellen Moore. Zordon will be a better head coach than Mike McCarthy, because Alpha Five. One thing we do know is, if he sees something that's working, he's sticking to it and makes adjustments as needed. To my younger audiences, if you've ever watched Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, if I um, hope I'm not sounding too old here, but 
Alpha 5 was Zordon's assistant and aided the Rangers in battle. And I, I, can, I, I can go on and on about that, but that's neither here or there. But we've got our work cut out for us tomorrow because Cincinnati's coming in with nothing to lose. Dallas, it it's it's this game or just keep digging the hole a little bit deeper. But I'll make my prediction for the game later on in the show. Alrighty. Now that we've this is the first topic of WNBA that I've talked about on the show and shout out to all my, my female followers and listeners of the show. I, I greatly appreciate it and um, this topic to me it's it's a, it's a sentimental topic and and I have some female followers who, you know, were some high school and college basketball players and this this is for y'all. Tomorrow Las Vegas Aces and Connecticut Sun will score off in game four of the WNBA Finals. Vegas has a 2-1 series lead and with the possibility of closing it out tomorrow at 1 o'clock Eastern time, which the game, I will try to watch some of it before the Cowboys game comes on tomorrow afternoon. But I believe the Aces close this series out tomorrow. I don't think it goes back to Vegas tied 2-2 because it's a winner-take-all game 5. And the Las Vegas Aces are clearly the better team. But credit to Connecticut for blowing, just pretty much blowing Vegas off the floor in game 3. Just blew them out. And I tell you what, I was like, well, if Connecticut came in with a sense of urgency and they did what they had to do to extend their season one more game for the Aces... Is led by head coach of the year, uh, Becky Hammond, in her first year. The MVP and defensive player of the year in Asia Wilson. And my hometown girl won most improved player, Jackie Young. Shout out to her. She won most improved player this year. And I tell you what, they're clearly a better team. And if I had to pick the WNBA Finals MVP, it's a toss-up between Kelsey Plume and Asia Wilson. Kelsey Plume has had a phenomenal season. She has been balling this year. And Asia Wilson's had a, a great year, you know, winning two awards and, and Jackie and, and Becky Hammond. But there's other players on this roster, you know, uh, Chelsea Gray. And, I mean, th- this team is a mirror image of San Antonio Spurs. That's that that Spurs offense was implemented and a lot of ball movement and putting up and Asia Wilson anchoring the defense and you know everybody touches the basketball. That's one thing I can say that I love about you know Greg Popovich. You know he's the head coach of the Spurs and Becky Hammond was an assistant under his tutelage is the ball movement. Basketball is not a complicated sport ball movement and you can defend and rebound you've got an appetite for success you've got your playmakers who can make shots and you've got to have a defensive anchor and you've got to have a really really good uh bench as far as having the depth in order to you know ride this thing out but the aces they'll close it close it out tomorrow night I, i believe they will they will close it out tomorrow and they'll win their first title in franchise history and the first two games of the finals at Vegas, man, they were it was rocking. I saw some of the the social media clips, and I mean it was a sold out capacity. So hopefully the Aces can close it out tomorrow and bring that chip back to back out here to the desert, and hopefully for a parade because I'm I'm definitely rooting for them because you know Jackie, she's from my hometown, and it it's good to see her win on each level of her career from high school being a state champion miss indiana basketball she won at the the collegiate level winning a national championship she was the number one overall pick in the wnba draft and a gold medalist and now she's on the verge of being a wnba champion she's done very good for herself and as a princeton native i'm proud of her i really am the whole city is proud of her and we wish her nothing but the best because we are pulling for her to help the aces deliver this championship and 
that'll be another accolade or another sign that we'll see out here in in the city or a billboard you know congratulating Jackie is it's 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 a beautiful thing to have somebody from your hometown that's doing good in life because there's a lot of individuals who had the opportunity but blew it but I'm not gonna mention any names but you know who you are and I'm team Jackie all the way regardless of what people got to say about her she's she's done more than the average uh, girl or young woman has in her life coming from you know this small town so big ups to Jackie and and the rest of the aces good luck tomorrow well I'm, I'm rooting for you guys so I'll try to get me a, a, a championship t-shirt from Nike if I can but we'll we'll see once this the uh, series concludes now the moment all of you have been waiting for the big announcements that I've been teasing for the last couple weeks and it is time to reveal some new segments in the first ever of the chaotic sports podcast what I'm about to do now is I'm going to make my chaotic picks of the week for NFL week two I've got three games on my slate along with the Cowboys game and then we're going to move into the next segment which I'm real excited about and and another segment you know the chaotic Q&A but here we go with the first ever chaotic picks NFL week two here we go first game this is a game which I was nervous about last week after last Sunday night the Dallas Cowboys versus the Cincinnati Bengals from AT&T Stadium 325 Central Time on CBS it's a primetime game I thought about it I slept on it I thought about it again and I kept thinking about it and I come to a conclusion the Dallas Cowboys defense is just better than the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line plain and simple Micah Parsons versus Lyle Collins who's going to win that matchup Give me the linebacker with three sacks tomorrow. Because there's nobody on that that Bengals offensive line that's going to be able to hold Micah. And that's just going to free up Demarcus Lawrence to get, you know, knock the ball loose. And then Sam Williams coming off the opposite end. And Navelle Gallimore. And, th- and this, th- this, this, this feels like a playoff game tomorrow for us. This is a do or die game for the Dallas Cowboys. As much as I love Joe Burrow. You don't you you don't have Micah Parsons on your on your defense. Your offensive line gave up seven sacks last week, and that is the one glaring issue for the Cincinnati Bengals going back to his rookie year. This offensive line is bad, y'all. It is bad. With that being said, another matchup I'm watching in this game: Trayvon Diggs versus Jamar Chase. Two SEC players know each other very well by, you know, Jamar playing in LSU and Trayvon in Alabama. You know, one of the, you know, young receivers in football and Jamar Chase and Trayvon, who's making his case to be one of the one of the premier corners in football. I'm looking forward to watching that. If Trayvon can hold his own against Jamar Chase, I believe we have a shot. To win this game tomorrow with everything that happened last week Cowboys fans can only hope and pray that we can play a mistake free game please I'm 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 asking the coaching staff this offensive coaching staff please do not blow this game tomorrow in the grand scheme of things the defense will keep it close Micah has three sacks this defense forces some turnovers and keeps the Cowboys in the game with that being said my heart of hearts is going 28-13 Dallas I know that sounds a little far-fetched but if all goes as planned and we can run the football I believe that we can bounce back if we abandon the run early and get away from it and Cooper Cup starts, uh, Cooper Rush starts stinking it up. 
we're in trouble because now you're asking this defense to go out and create offense. I believe Kellen Moore, to some degree, will try to get uh, Tony Pollard in the slot, get Kevante Turpin on the field with Pollard and CD, get Dalton Schultz involved, but we have to establish the run game first. No ifs, ands, or buts. Run the damn ball. Period. I have my Cowboys winning. 28, Cincinnati 13. The next pick of the of the week. A game that I went back and forth about. Whenever I saw this week's slate of games. I thought about it. Again, in the midst of chaos and the Cowboys organized chaos I'm going to do something that I'll likely do some some more during the course of the NFL season in these picks I am going to pick the Detroit Lions to beat the Washington Commanders give me the Lions to win a very tight game but I believe that the Lions is vastly improved. I could be wrong, but I like the Lions' chances against the Washington Commanders. Give me the Lions 30, the Washington Commanders 17. Give me 30 to 17 in favor of Detroit. Now, the last pick of the week for this week for the chaotic picks is another game that is going to be interesting because the New Orleans Saints ladies and gentlemen are going to be better than I initially thought the reason why I say that is they've got a pretty good defense Cam Hayward uh, Davenport and uh Marshawn Lattimore in the back end and Demario Davis. Dennis Allen has Tom Brady's number. Tom Brady has not beat uh Dennis a Dennis Allen team since he's been in the league, if I'm not mistaken. But since he's been in New Orleans, he or in Tampa Bay, he has not beat the Saints. It is going to be a rowdy environment at the the Superdome in New Orleans. It's the home opener and and we know that 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 Terra Dome in New Orleans is is usually it's the one stadium in football that has probably one of the greatest home advantages. The Buccaneers are decimated, <laughs> and I mean decimated with receiver injuries and offensive line issues. But Leonard Fournette was able to rush for over 100 yards last week against the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think Leonard Fournette rushes for 100 yards tomorrow. And against the New Orleans Saints. I believe this game will be relatively low scoring. I believe that Tom Brady will probably throw an interception. And the advantage Saints, they got the home crowd. Uh, Jameis going up against his former team as a starter for the Saints. Give me the New Orleans Saints to win in a very, very low scoring game. I'm going to go 20 to 14, 20 to 14, uh, New Orleans. I know that's, that may sound a little outreach, but I believe the saints are going to, they're going to come out and make and pose their will early, but this defense is, is, is better than, than what I initially thought. They've got the skill positional players and Jarvis Landry and Chris Alave, their rookie, uh, first round pick that they took this year and and they got the Swiss Army knife and Taysom Hill he's still around I mean he's not a starting quarterback but he's one of those gadget players that you can use in red zone situations you can put him in tight end uh, some wildcat op, uh, offense but that's that's the Buccaneers will stay in this game for as long as they can but their offense is decimated and it's going to be too much for Tom Brady to overcome so 20 to 14 New Orleans gets their gets a win in their home opener now for the chaotic 
NFL upset of the week. This is going to sound crazy. It's probably funny to some. But I'm going to take Chicago Bears to go on the Lambeau Field tomorrow night and beat the Packers on Sunday night football. Now, you maybe scratch your head like, really? The Bears over Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Tomorrow night will be one game Aaron Rodgers will not own the Bears. They won't. After what I seen from the Packers last week against Minnesota, wide receiver purgatory, Sammy Watkins, uh, the rookie the rookie uh, receiver who dropped a wide open pass. I mean, he, he, you couldn't have asked for a better throw. He's all he do is make the catch, and it's an easy touchdown. Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and a, ba- a, a battered up offensive line and and a, and a defense that's is uh, it's it's not good, but it's not great. I will take the Bears because. Last week, they they wanted a monsoon at Soldier Field. They had squeegees out on Soldier Field, literally trying to keep the water off the field. It was ankle deep and then some. They beat the 49ers, and now they've got pretty good weather conditions tomorrow night going to Lambeau Field. It's a primetime game. Justin Fields, good luck, young man. Go beat the Packers. Give me the Bears. In a 28-17 ball game. That is my upset for week two of uh, Chaotic uh, Upset of the Week. Before we get up out of here, I'm going to go ahead and give you my picks for the Monday night doubleheader between the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. I'm taking the Bills. Uh, that was That's a no-brainer for me. The Buffalo Bills are clearly the better team. Josh Allen is... A stud, Stephon Diggs, one of the yeah, top three receivers in football. Um, the, the, this is this is basically uh, how do I put this? The Titans got to travel to Buffalo, and that that crowd in Buffalo. If you want to see a tailgate party, watch some of their social media accounts because those fans. I tell you what, I have never seen a more rowdier fan base who eat sleep and breathe buffalo bills football and this is the same franchise that went to four straight super bowls losing all four of them to nfc east teams in the early 90s if you've seen the espn 30 for 30 the four falls of buffalo and that those great teams they had but the afc back in the day didn't couldn't compete with the nfc and buffalo was just on the wrong end of the stick twice against dallas once against the, the Giants, which they, if there was an instant replay and they would have been uh, reviewing all that, the, the Buffalo Bills probably would have upset the New York Giants in the in their first Super Bowl. And then they lost to Washington the following year and then lose in back-to-back Super Bowls against the, the Cowboys in, in 92 and 93. Needless to say, the Buffalo Bills are clearly the best team in the AFC, in my humble opinion. Kansas City is not too far from it, but their defense and run game is a little spotty. I will take Buffalo to win, if not in blowout fashion, 38 to 14, because I don't think the Titans have enough firepower offensively to hang with uh, Buffalo and Josh Allen. That that big arm he's got, I mean, it's it's huge, and he's can scramble, move around in the pocket. I love watching Josh Allen play. The Titans, they'll only go as far as Derrick Henry takes them. And that's not going to be real far. Brian Tannehill has hit his peak. He's a serviceable backup at this point. The Titans defense is good, but it's it, it ain't on the same level as Buffalo right now. The addition of Von Miller, as we saw in the Thursday night opener, whenever they traveled to play the Rams, Von Miller was in... The Rams backfield most of the night. Seriously. And when you got Micah Hyde and, and Poyer, Edmonds, and this was even without Tredavious White, their number one corner who's still on, you know, rehabbing a torn ACL. 
I mean, Buffalo to me wins this game without question. I mean, if they blow them out, I, you know, I'm going 38-17 or 38-14, however you want to put it, because Derrick Henry's not going to rush for 100 yards. He's not. The Buffalo defense is pretty good. The Tennessee offense is really bad. And you're going to see that on display Monday night in Buffalo, New York. On to the second doubleheader of Monday Night Football. The hated Philadelphia Eagles host the Minnesota Vikings. Ladies and gentlemen, I have one thing to say. I hate the Eagles. As a Cowboys fan, I hate the Eagles with every ounce of energy in my body. I can't stand Philadelphia. The Eagles, that is. I love Allen Iverson and Dr. J, who are my, you know, in my plethora of all-time great NBA players. And not to mention, Allen Iverson is a Dallas Cowboys fan. Shout out to AI. But I hate the Eagles as a, as a franchise, and I hate their fans, period. They nearly lost to the Lions last week. They were up 38-14, to and Detroit scored 21 unanswered to nearly come back and beat them. The Eagles had for pretty good defense, but they shouldn't allow, you know, that many points against the Lions. Jalen Hurst, you know, took some hits. You know, A.J. Brown did his thing. Miles Sanders ran the football. But the Minnesota Vikings are a much better team. They are. And I know the numbers would say that Kirk Cousins is not good in prime time. That's true. But this Minnesota defense is better than they were last year. After what I've seen, uh, with them do the Green Bay. I believe that they're going to take away A.J. Brown and try to take away Devontae Smith. So they're going to try to run the football with Miles Sanders and you know try to get Dallas Goddard in the middle of the field. But this is a game Minnesota will win. I'm taking the Vikings. Give me 28-23. It'll be 28-23 in favor of Minnesota. With that being said, it's time to move on to the chaotic Q&A, the first ever of that. Shout out to my little brother from another mother, Bryson Carver, from the Carving It Up podcast. Make sure you check out his show on Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, wherever you listen to your uh, your podcast. But I wanted to interact with my well, my followers on you know Twitter. I wanted to start some interaction and getting some feedback. And this is the first ever chaotic Q&A, and I, I want to thank him for participating in it. And the question that he asked was, who is your all-time favorite football player that wasn't a Dallas Cowboy? Very good question, Bryson. And I went back and forth with this because there was a number of great players who were non-Dallas Cowboys that I enjoyed watching. One of them, I I grew to more respect for for you know why he walked away from the game of football and what was probably going to be in a Hall of Fame career if it wasn't for a gruesome hip injury. It was Bo Jackson. Bo knows from Auburn. He played briefly for the L.A. Raiders before that gruesome hip injury, which ended his football career. And he went on to play baseball for a while. And in my mind, I just kind of wonder if the advancement of sports science had been what it is today, could he have been back on the football field? That's the question that I ask because, ladies and gentlemen, my younger audiences, if you've ever played the classic football game on Nintendo, Tecmo Bowl, Bo Jackson was a human cheat code. He was the player that everybody wanted to play with on Tecmo Bowl. I am guilty of that because Bo Jackson was on trajectory of having one of the best careers for a running back. He likely could have broken the all-time. Uh, he would have been among you know, the greatest, you know, running backs in NFL history. The dude was spectacular. 
for the Raiders in a short period of time. And when he walked away after that gruesome hip, that gruesome hip injury, as a child growing up, I was like, man, you're about you were just you had greatness written all over you, and why would you walk away? And it bothered me for a number of years because you watch old highlight reels of him in college and the little short you know career he had with the Raiders. It's like, man, he would have been the the greatest Los Angeles Raider ever outside of Marcus Allen. Period. You think about the the running back that Marcus Allen was. Bo Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, to, and the youngins out there, go watch some some old highlight reel of Bo Jackson, and you you'll see why this, he was on the verge of greatness. And as I got older, into my, you know when I started playing organized sports and understanding the business side of, you know, sports a little bit better and kind of, you know, observing and studying athletes, I understood at that point in time as I got older. It just happened to click one day when I was having a discussion with a with some classmates when I was in high school and we were had the same discussion, you know, what could have been if Bo Jackson had not, you know, had that gruesome hip injury that he that pretty much ended his football career. He would have been in the same plethora as Emma Smith, Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas, Marshall Falk. And and nope and and they in that order. Walter Payton was pretty much on his last legs because all that banging those knees took and pounding, it, it wore him down. Emma Smith had one of the greatest offensive lines in football. Thurman Thomas was the Thurmanator for the Buffalo Bills. Hall of, uh, Bills legend, Hall of Famer, Thurman Thomas. He was a great running back. And then you had Barry Sanders was in the shadows of that. And he retired in, in his prime right before training camp started back in, I think he went over, I want to say it was like 97 or 98, somewhere up in there. He retired from football. And it caused a big rift with the Detroit Lions for a number of years because he had just signed that contract and was in his prime. And and he was forced to give that signing bonus back to the Lions, if I'm not mistaken. And it caused a big rift for a number of years between Barry Sanders and the Detroit Lions organization. Bo Jackson's was different because he had a gruesome hip injury that ended his career. But when I tell you... Bo, he lived up to the moniker, Bo Knows, which he had an endorsement deal with Nike and, and still does to this day. The Bo Knows, the the, the, the football, sh- uh, the turf trainer that he had, and the t-shirts. And, you know, we've seen the iconic poster of him with the, with the football pads on and the baseball bat draped over his shoulders. Bo Jackson was a phenomenal athlete. And I recommend to any of my younger audiences under the age of 25 who loved the history of the game of football and iconic legends, you can't mention the game of football without Bo Jackson. That That's all that needs to be said because Bo would have been that dude and was special. I believe he would have won an MVP. That's how great he was. Al Davis, the late great Al Davis, God bless his soul. What was his his slogan? Just win, baby. Just win. And the Raiders always found a way to win. And it was just like one of those things when he had that injury. Like the Ra- it changed the Raiders franchise for years. Because Bo Jackson never stepped on a football ever again. He's never stepped, never played a snap of football ever again after that injury, if I'm not mistaken. But Bryson, that's the the answer to your to this week's chaotic Q and A. I hope that I I answered it thoroughly for you, and uh, I hope I was able to give you know give our give the audiences and listeners some insight to that question. But, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me tonight. That's all the chaos I have. If you, I'm gonna tell you what before I get up out of here, and I, I assure you, this this is it. This is the last the last few things I'm gonna say. 
with a lot going on in our society and the seasons changing, seasonal depression is real. If if you're one of those individuals like myself, the season's changing and you know it's getting darker a little bit earlier, it, it plays a role on the overall well-being. And and if there are my mental health patients out there, I hope you're doing okay. Make sure that your mental capacity is in a safe space. If you are having issues and you're feeling depressed and anxious and agitated, please seek help. Please seek treatments. Do what you need to do to make sure that your mental health is in a safe space. And this this is the time of year where, you know, all that kicks in. You know, you, you, the dog days of summer are over with and and we're approaching the fall. The fall weather is, is coming, you know, once the leaves start changing and, you know, it's 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 going to be a rough few months. And I'm, I'm not a fan of fall outside of football. I'm not a fan of winter either because that's when seasonal depression hits me the most is, you know, the end of fall into you know mid spring because I I can't deal with it emotionally so in order to stay busy I had to keep moving in order to keep my mind occupied but please please to all my listeners health is wealth and please take care of it emotionally spiritually psychologically mentally intimately please I I I don't want to you know, get on social media and and see someone who's took in their life. It's it's depressing because that's that's a soul that is no longer here with us. And just speaking from experience, uh, I've lost too many friends and close ones to you know suicide, and it's it's not fun. It's it's not something that anybody wants to. You know, you want to go. You don't want to go to a viewing of a body, and and you they should still be alive and well. But it's it's real, y'all. Life life happens. Reality happens. And please, 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 take care of your mental health. Go to go to see a counselor and a therapist. Please don't don't put yourself in harm's way. Don't uh, self inflict harm on yourself. It's it, it's hurtful because you're hurting and you don't seek the help and you take your own life and then others around you will have, have to suffer. And it's it's not something that I that I enjoy doing because the last few years I've learned a lot about my my mental health as a whole going to therapy and understanding my my role in in society but I, I'm asking and and just just let you know you are loved and valued and appreciated because if no one told you today that they love you, rest assured, I love you. I may not know you from Adam, but I will welcome you with open arms. So if anybody's failed to tell you that today, regardless if you're young or old, that I love you with all my heart. Regardless of your walk of life and your and your beliefs, you are valued. You are appreciated. With that being said, that is all the chaos for tonight. Be sure to check out the social media platforms. Also, the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and Anchor. Yes, we are making noise, ladies and gentlemen. So. You can't say that I didn't tell you to tap into the chaos and subscribe, share, and like to the podcast. Your feedback is greatly welcome and appreciated, and and I, I I'm thankful for you all that are tuning in tonight and listening, wherever you may be, regardless if you're across the pond or you're scrolling through your your uh, your social media feed or your your podcast library. Feel free to add mine at Chaotic Sports. Uh, I'm open to new listeners and and hopefully in the near future we'll we'll get the the YouTube side of it set up so you can see the face behind the chaos. So 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm out. Be sure to check out the, the follow the social media platforms as well at Instagram Chaotic Sports Podcasts and then on Twitter at Chaotic P. Be sure to follow, subscribe, share, and like. I greatly appreciate your support. And the chaos is just beginning. So we're out of here for the night. I thank you. God bless. Until next week, stay safe, stay sound, stay chaotic. Peace out.